you reminisce about sitting around a campfire and getting murdered by your favorite horror icon? Well, we have the product for you, the Tennessee Horror Nights Pumpkin Campfire with Crackling Wicks Candle. It's what your favorite horror fantasies are made of. Brought to you by Macabre Melts. Check out Nightmare Toys for all your horror collectible needs at NightmareToys.com. Hi, I'm Bill Mosley, and... You're in the horror basement with Jim Jam and Johnny Leroy. <laughs> Lick my plate, you dog dick. What's going on guys, Jim Jam here. Um, we decided to take a week off this week, but um, we're gonna have the panel for how to make a horror movie with the guys from Chicago Rot and the guys from Flickering Candles Productions and Tracy West and of course Jim Jam, me, and Johnny. So uh, yeah, this is from way back in February. I just now got around to getting this ready, so perfect time. So I hope you all enjoy, and I apologize for the audio. Hopefully you can make out what we're talking about and saying. But uh, like always, check us out on all our social media. We're on everything, so just TN Horror News. And um, got Patreon. You know, back, come back us for that. You know, you got some great perks. We also, um, we got shirts available through Southern Sun. Um, and we have a candle brought to you by Macabre Melts or Bree, one of our teammates. You can check all that out on the, the merch page on the website. You know, Johnny ain't here at the time I'm recording this, so uh, I'm going to do this solo. And away we go. What about your movie that's going to be premiering tonight at midnight? Yeah. Hey. Hello. Yeah, we're showing a movie tonight at midnight over in the amphitheater at the Chattanooga. Uh, this film right here, Chicago Rocks, uh, is a horror thriller, sci-fi, revenge, rock and roll thriller, clusterfuck of a movie that we couldn't be more proud to follow around. And uh, we hope you'll come check it out. Give us a chance. I can guarantee you. There is nothing else like it out So, come by at midnight tonight, and if you uh, aren't able to make it for some reason, uh, we have these flyers we can hand you. We have all the platforms we're available on online, so you can check us out at your leisure. Shit, yeah. Yeah. Did you say it's like a rock opera? It's, it's a little bit of everything, yeah. Um, we have a saying in Chicago about the weather. If you don't like it, wait five minutes. We took that philosophy and applied it to the film. That's what it is in Tennessee. Any or no. There's enough psychedelia in there. You know, Tennessee weather's kind of the same thing. Like one yeah. day it's yeah. like Florida. almost 80 yeah. degrees, and the next day there's snow. snow. Yep. Yeah, we just shut the door. Any, many, mighty, mighty. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> Could you shut the door for us real quick? We're ready to get started.
Is that like uh, just the music or even like special effects from someone getting oh, yeah. punched in the face? Every yeah, little thing. All Location all audio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I definitely
pretty much. Well, a lot of it was just, you know, we knew people and they right. were willing to let us in. A few, couple of guerrilla things or lawyers right. here, so I can say that. Um, but, <laughs> you know, you gotta, you gotta do it sometimes. I, borrow skills. I've never paid for a location. I've done 15 film, feature films. Never paid for a location. You can find any location. Now, don't get me wrong. I get insurance policies, so I have I get million dollar insurance policy for 35 bucks a month. It means we can go in, and if anything gets effed up, there's going to be cussing. I, I can't help it. I'm, I'm a problem. Um, if everything, anything gets messed up, it's covered, and I don't have to really worry about it. Luckily, we've always left it better than we've you know, gotten in there with. But you want to, you know, you can find any location. We, um, uh, Dark Infestation, we talked, we were looking for a mansion, and we literally drove around and put business cards in people's mailboxes. And because you didn't want to go up these driveways and stuff to these million dollar houses and, and you know, just knock on the door. And we found one guy called us back, and he let, they let us shoot. And we were halfway through shooting when some of the scenes caused him to have traumatic flashbacks to his past. And he went, Dark Infestation, have you ever seen it? Well, this, the, the, it's a father and his son, and they're, they're having fights and arguments and stuff. It's a long story. Um, and the, the fighting and stuff really rattled this guy. And, and the, we came to my producer and went, you guys have to leave. I'll let you finish shooting tonight, but you can't come back. I love you guys. You guys have been great, but I can't emotionally deal with this. We took a week uh, where we shot something else and put in some calls and went and knocked on some doors. Actually walked up and knocked on some doors, and we got another mansion in a week's time and just kept rolling and, and made the two houses look like it's one house, which I'm you're pretty damn good at because it was last night, you know? Um, and, that, and that's the thing. People don't know the geography of... It's what you tell them when you're, when you're looking at a location. You can find little corners of this place and that place and another place someplace else and intercut them. And suddenly they're in this big maze of walls and buildings and all this stuff. And it's not that hard. And the audience just goes with they'll believe it because they're... The audience will believe whatever you tell them, as long as you don't take them too far out of the suspension. You know, now, and like, I don't know, dying to see this movie tonight. It, you know, if, if the story starts out taking them on a weird psychedelic place, they'll ride with just about anything you guys tell them. If you are trying to do this straight narrative where, you know, this family's living in a house and suddenly you throw off for no reason, clowns start popping up, you know? You gotta have a reason, right? and that gotta be the basis of your story as opposed to, hey, we're just gonna throw these clowns in for a few moments and then move on with life. And the reason better like fit the realm you've set your story in. With all the new script that we got, there's a scene in there where I'm like, we're losing this. We're, they, 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 these guys break into this house and they interrupt this guy and his mistress. And um, he has a cut on the bridge of his nose. It's never mentioned <laughs> at all. And I'm, I'm reading the script, and ten pages go by, and I'm still thinking about this cut on this guy's nose. Why? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, no, that's just going away because it has nothing to do with anything. 
So you can't really, you know, you gotta, you give people the audience, you, you tell them what they want, what you want them to know, but you can't also just take them totally out of disbelief. You gotta keep it in your realm of your world. And that's, that's part of the, I think, the, the joy and the, you know, what a lot of us are probably attracted to in genre cinema in general and horror in particular is you know, that ability to create your own internal logic. You know, it's like you have the ability, as, as George was saying, that you know, if you leave them on it, like, the audience will trust you until you break that trust. You know, even if you're going to the like, craziest reaches of your imagination, there are still rules being created along the way. It's not limitless. You know, you, as soon as you show something, now there's a rule because this thing functions this way. And you got to stay true to that throughout the entirety of the script and the film. And that's one of the biggest things with, um, as you guys will see tonight, midnight when you come to our movie. <laughs> with all the insane places we went, you know, it was like we really had to, uh, you know, probably the last like four drafts of the script we did were just like really kind of hammering down the internal logic to make sure we were never going wrong by what we had set forth. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the things that drives me the craziest in, in movies or TV shows that go into these realms and yeah, they're like, okay, this person has like a mental disorder and they're crazy. So now it's like, we can just do anything because like we're in their head and now it's like, yeah, they're in an episode of Alf now and then like running through like a jungle and it just makes no sense because guess what, they're crazy. And it's like, no, that's not, that's not enough. You know, even if you want to play this like subjective or seeing it through this, you know, perspective of this person who's not perceiving reality as we do. Um, you know, there's still, again, a logic to that. There is, and, and if you're trying to tell a story as well, what you're showing in that subjective realm better be saying something thematically, narratively, and from a character standpoint. It's, it's important that every little thing, like, even stupid things you think, like the way somebody gets murdered, it's like, how this character commits violence is communicating a ton about who they are. And, you know, whether they're like a, you know, a very methodical killer or a rage killer, like whatever, you know, those things communicate character. A lot of times you look at, uh, you know, the more prurient elements of these kinds of movies and it's just like, oh, it's just bombers murdering stuff. But it's like, no, everybody makes these things. You think about all that shit. Like, how we kill this man is like actually saying a ton. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's something I think a lot of people don't think about a lot when they're getting into it. Like when you start writing your own piece, you start to like realize this stuff and notice it in other things where they skip, you know, they mess it up. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely something I would say to every aspiring filmmaker, no matter what genre they're working in, you know, to really, really think about that. How did you come up with the logo? Um, that is uh, actually the uh, public transportation in Chicago is the CTA, and that is their logo. And we Chicago just transit. Yeah. Because here it looks like a Kroger. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So We've got the London Underground too. People have said it, it kind of looks like that as well. But um, that is straight up the. So in Chicago, we, you know, that's why this doesn't say Chicago rot on it. Because, like, in our city, you know, in Chicago, we put these stickers up all over town. People were just like, oh my God, this is awesome. Like, you know, they got it. So this is really more so like our production company logo now because, it, you know, it's not good marketing outside of Chicago because it doesn't say the title of the film, so. Well, it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's not Kroger Rod. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sequel? Sequel was going to be Milwaukee Fresh, but now it's Kroger uh, Rod, so. Yeah. I, I think, you know, with whatever, since we're talking horror movies, whatever your evil entity or your whatever the monster is or whatever, you have to have the rules of what that monster does before you even start writing anything. 
so that, and you've got to abide by those rules. They don't have to be the same vampire rules as every other vampire movie. You can make your own vampire rules as long as you play by the rules that you make. And, that, and the minute you like start changing and flip-flopping just to make your script rule a little easier for you, that's when you effed up, because it's, it's just not going to happen, right? That's a slippery slope, too. Like As soon as you make one little compromise, it just becomes easier and easier and easier to just keep making more and making more, and eventually you've got a lot of shit in front of you. And, you know, you know my, my big thing on my films is there's got to be logic to everything. Why can't they just pick up a cell phone and, and call for it? You know, if they're going to be running and they fall or whatever, they better have a reason why they're falling and getting up. And, you know, I mean, right. There's not... Um, I, I hate movies where things just happen for happens sake. Everything has to have a logic. But in talking, hey, the reality of the, of the creature attacking them was one of the characters peed in its territory. So it killed that character. Had they let it go at that point, one death, and that's it. But then they shot another one. And then it was war. Because they came into somebody else's house and attacked them. And and so it's all very logical. The creature does animalistic things. It's not maliciously going after until it becomes a war. I think from also a kind of a technical standpoint now, back to the original question is on, on location scouting. Too, I think it's real important to incorporate as many uh, few people who are part of the initial process of shooting there. Uh, your director of photography, director, maybe a writer, but also your sound guy. You want that person to be around there to tell you, all right, here's some things that I'm hearing uh, around here that's going to be, yeah, that's going to be a problem, you know, because uh, when you're shooting. Uh, you know, you're changing location or you're changing how you shoot. And so sometimes the way that you're, you're angled can change the whole tone of, uh, of the room that you're in. So it's very important to kind of initially go in there and know what you're about to deal with. There's a refrigerator that's running that maybe you, you need to turn it off during takes or something. And people love it when you go into their home and turn off the refrigerator. <laughs> 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 old, old sound guy trick I've heard before is to put your car keys inside of the refrigerator if you unplug it, so that way you won't leave without plugging it back in because you have to go in there and get your keys. So. Also, it's handy to let them know that they can't watch TV on the other show. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. I'm sorry, we're taking over your house for a day or two days, and it's going to suck. You know, but it could be very fun and exciting, and you get to see all movies made. Yeah. Which most people are like really cool and down with it, but there have been times where they're like, some member of the family is wanting to be in the other room watching the TV, and, I, and it causes some problems sometimes. Sometimes there's some aspiring musicians in the uh, apartment <laughs> below the one you're shooting yeah. in who, Just in the like middle of the shot, decides time for band practice. Oh, <laughs> what do you do about that? <laughs> You just put music over it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I heard this story a, a long time ago about uh, when they started doing Star Trek The Next Generation. They spent like $100,000 trying to make Jordy's visor. And they were like, they were just unsatisfied with everything that came through. And then some guy had said something about it to his wife and his kid heard him. And then a couple days later, his kid comes running through with a hair barrette over his eyes <laughs> playing the game. And he's like, 
oh, that's going to work. That's going to be perfect. So I was curious if there's anything that, like, y'all had busted your asses on and then you solved with a paper clip. Like, whether it's sound or a special effect. Like half the movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, we, uh, our, our panel that we had earlier talking uh, uh, today, talking about our film, we, we brought in some of the, like, props and costumes that we made. I mean, we ended up, you know, we had this, there's a big science fiction element to our film, and we have a lot of characters that have really, if you, any of you guys saw I've seen some of, like, the today. Jesus Halo. Yeah, that was us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so those are characters from our film. We have there's like eight or nine of these characters written in the script. We were like, how are we going to make these costumes, you know, for all of these characters? Um, see that water bottle right there? Yeah. That is a beautiful shape. That if you take that and attach it to other beautifully shaped molded plastic bottles and paint it, all of a sudden now it can look like a scepter. It can look like parts of you know uh, armor that are applied to this. The, if you took a part of vacuum cleaner. <laughs> that was, that was, yeah, Peter, as you said, like, every part of that got used in costumes somewhere. And that was stuff initially, yeah, we're like, we're going to have to sculpt these, make molds, get these, you know, this, like cast and like repeat it. Yeah, know, it's the way Hollywood would do it. I mean, that's where the million dollar budgets come in, because that stuff just costs a shit ton of money, you know. But there's, if you need one or something, you don't necessarily have to make a mold. If you don't have to make a mold, you know what I mean? If there's things around that you can make it from, Um, but uh, 
when we cast the, the seven holes that we needed to cast for the film that were that were serious roles, I mean, we got like over 300 submissions within like a couple of days for these seven roles. And I mean, it was like, okay, now we're buried under like this embarrassment of riches of like people to you know pick and choose from. So we really took advantage of that. We're like, let's well, hey, let's take this as not only an opportunity to obviously find great people for our film, but also to network with it, start meeting the acting community in Chicago. And um, so we were calling, we were like, hell, let's spend a couple weeks doing this. Just call people in, check them out. A couple people, we even, they came in to audition for one role, and we were, you know, it was like, hey, actually, you would be perfect for this other role, you know, and brought them back in the next day, and, you know, the audition, the audition for this other part. And a couple of people, that's how who we ended up casting. Hell yeah. So, yeah. It was a great process, though. We had a, you know, a lot of fun. Now, some of you in here, are, are you interested in being actors and actresses, or... Directors, what is your preferences? We'll do it with much good luck. Always. Sorry? Not from the camera. Keep away from that. Always. Which is ironic. Very ironic. So I have a film class. It's going to be from year two to year four, and I have to be on camera because otherwise, it's like for group projects, everyone has to be on camera until at some point for a little bit, and I'm like, yep. Yep. Just like our our DP was wrong. So I have my feet, you know, for work. But there, I mean, being in front of the camera it helps you as a director. It does, honestly, yeah. You know, because you can then, like, I don't consider myself an actor, but everyone on my big parts and stuff I do, everyone's like, you're really good. And it's like, and I, I think some people, friends have tried to cast me in their stuff. I'm like, I don't do that. He acts up all the time. Uh, well, yeah. He's <laughs> also. Oh, no problem. Um, I was just going to ask you, so George, it sounds like you guys have, you know, worked together on a, a few projects. Do you kind of, is that something you've been going through for years, kind of like building a, a stable? Yeah, yeah, and, we, but, and then you get, what I try to find is I find, I find a really good actor. Those actors have friends that are usually really fucking good actors because <laughs> they hang with the talented people. So I start getting, putting out word that, okay, here's, a, and I, Having no budget for most of my movies, um, you know, casting, and I don't know how you guys are, but when I'm writing a script, I literally cannot write a script and go, this guy's six foot four with a beard, mustache, long brown hair. I kind of just write the character's name and a feel for him because I don't know if the actor's going to come in, it's going to be five foot six, or, or if he's going to be six four. I I, what, I go I I audition and I cast off quality of acting. Like I have a, 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 a Tom Booten's in our films a lot, and he won't send anyone to my casting auditions because he does television movies and he does all this stuff, and he hates the fact that I have them come in and I have them all read the same fucking reads these pieces of things because I like that script, and then I tell him 20 changes that I want them to, and I can tell. And I've not heard really good actors, I continue to hear new variations of the same three pages of dialogue. So I, I cast things a little differently, but I think once you start getting some actors that are good, you talk to them and they know more actors that are good. And, and they also know who's reliable. Because coming in, this ne next film, there are two roles that we're going, Okay, there's a 22-year-old guy and there's a 27-year-old guy, and uh, no one knows anybody. So now I'm going. I don't know what I'm going to be dealing with, 
And these guys are in 90% of the movie. So you're talking three to four months of having to end on them. And if one of them bells, oh, movie's not scrapped, but you start back from the beginning and you know, reshoot everything. So it, it's important to have people that you can depend on. It, you know, and even if they're maybe not so good, if you know they're going to show up, David. <laughs> no, well, just miss it. Just miss it. Really good. He's very, he's very, very good. <laughs> I'd like to throw David under the bus. All right, on that aside. <laughs> on that aside. They still wait for me. There's a couple. Of <laughs> well, I, I might as well just die. The. Uh, a couple of times on the last movie, just I think out of spite, he wore a t-shirt that said, actors are like cattle. <laughs> oh, <laughs> cow. Yeah. And uh, the other one was actors, no one cares what actors say. <laughs> yeah, so. Just to rouse us. Uh, so, yeah, thanks. Uh, this well, earlier he said stable, and I was like, oh, that's the term reserved for pimps and hoes. <laughs> 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 But from last night, I mean, these guys know it's not a staple. It's my family. Yeah. Mm. My casting crews are my family, and you know, I I try to bond with everyone. And God, you guys aren't paying anybody up front. I mean, on very rare occasions do you have cash. That, oh, shut up, both of you. Very rare occasions you got money up front where you can pay people. So you better make it fucking fun. If, it, if you're not, I mean, it's hard work. It, it, these guys will all tell you it's the hardest work that you're ever going to do. You can get you over your own living. This shit's harder. But if you're doing it and you're having fun, it doesn't seem like work and it, it grows smoothly and everyone has a good time. And everyone wants to keep coming back the following weekend when it's you know, 80 to 90 degrees in the weather and everyone's sweating their asses off. Yeah. Just wait for the movies to sell. <laughs> That's right, man. That's right. <laughs> Chad, did you have? Yeah, yeah. Uh, how do you make the decision between uh, going with what you know, what what you know you can do well, versus getting out into new territory, trying something experimental that you have maybe haven't done before? Well, that's a good question. Um, well, I, first I think you can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For myself personally, I'm, I, I generally find that actually I, I do my best work and I'm at my best as a director when I am outside of my comfort zone. Yeah, so um, that's kind of our mantra yeah. since from the beginning. I think we were definitely pushing doing something out of our comfort zone the entire time. So So I guess in a way it's kind of a combination of the two. It's like, you know, you kind of the seed of the idea it comes from something you know and like, you know, write what you know for sure. Um, but uh, you know, as you start to explore that it's like you really do at least for me, like need to push myself into areas where I'm not as comfortable with, like, I haven't done something like this before. I don't know if it's going to work. But that's part of what's exciting about doing this room, too. It's like, you know, that that nervousness and fear is, you know, not only driving, but also is kind of what reaffirms for me that we're doing something unique. And, you know, so I, I actually kind of seek that uh, in, in the process from beginning to end, from the script, even, you know, how can you know, I make myself uncomfortable, like, while I'm writing? Not just in terms of, like, subject matter, but, like, just where the ideas we're exploring, you know, with, with the concept we started with. And, uh, you know, if you can do that at the script level to yourself um, and show it to your, you know, collaborators that you trust and they start to get the same vibe from it, like, probably on something you should keep moving forward with. Also, if you have a talented or a, 
a uh, understanding director, you can do stuff on set that if it's written, it may be better from the actor to say, hey, can I do this? Can I, can I do it a different way? Can I do it in a different inflection? Because I think it might be better this way. He, you know, and the director, George most times said, yeah, let's give it a try. Let's, 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 let's do it. And some of the times, I would say about 60, 70% of the times, it works. And sometimes you do it and you go, oh, that really didn't work, did it? Okay, sorry, never mind, you know, that kind of stuff. But it's all about trust. Yeah. yeah. Same thing working in the music studio, working with like a, a group, even. You know, you're trying to trust that you're both, you know, hearing and understanding each other and working together and collaborating and really trying to come to the same endpoint. You know, they hear something in their heads and trying to speak in different tongues on how to get there, you know. I think, yeah, it takes, it takes a lot of trust and then also checking your ego at the door and being able to say, yeah, it wasn't a great idea, but, you know, in the yeah. long run. But I, think I think I've done kind of the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do. When, I mean, you're supposed to, like, write something that you know, like like one location or two locations. You know, so write something and do something that you know you can get away with and, and do. However, I've, you know, short of like an epic space battle, uh, you know, I've never worried about it. You know, when we did um, Dark Infestation with the mansions, well, the, the script called for mansions. Fucking idea how that was gonna work, but we just you make it work and you make you, you, you that's part of the job is overcoming those hurdles. And every movie, every movie you do has hurdles, and some of them aren't even what you think they are, what the hurdles are until you get them. Uh, this next film, I needed a, I, I need a bedroom uh, for about three weeks, and it's gonna be bloody. It's gonna be very. Coating the floors, coating the walls, coating the mattress, bloody. I don't think we're going to get anybody to let us use their bedroom. <laughs> so we're actually going to be building a set, and that hurt my budget, hurt my hurt my pride a lot on that one. Because <laughs> I, I don't want to pay for that shit, you know. Um, <clears throat> I watched like an interview with uh, Terry Gillum, and somebody asked him, like, how do you have these ideas inside your head and then get them on the screen? Uh, and he was like, "Oh, I've never, I've, I've never been able to accomplish that because I give the task to someone and they come back with something that's not what I'm pictured in my head. Uh, maybe it's better or maybe it's worse. But I was curious if, if, like you guys, you know, y'all, y'all seen it this one way, and then when you finally get to do it, it, it does it look like what you wanted it to look like, or is it does it always you just uh, not like settled for something, but you you may have gotten more than you wanted, but you had to have someone else do it, so it's not what was in your head, but it's still there. I think if you go in with kind of an elastic idea, you know, it just could stand to get better. Yeah. You know, you might also with collaborating with more than one person, uh, other people's you know opinions are going to change what you do anyway, and uh, that's where the trust comes in again. That like. You guys are all on the same wavelength and want kind of the same thing. Um, it's gonna potentially do better, you know. Like I kind of envisioned uh, our movie as I was writing the first draft, um, but then we went and did like nine or ten more drafts, you know, and it, and it was something far beyond what I was envisioning. Um, and some of the scenes that I had 
kind of core written or whatever, it definitely changed. I mean, I, I, I think you just do yourself a disservice also to just get real for sure about what you want to do. Because they always say, what, every movie's three different movies, and the one to the right, it's one to shoot, and it's one that's on the screen. And that really is a, a, a real deal thing. I, mean, there's, I don't think there's any, any <coughs> time, any moment where there's not a compromise on what you do. I mean, uh, uh, the one thing I can't stand, and I hope you don't do it, but if you do, I'm sorry, <laughs> is that whole uh, film by George Demick, or what? No, there is not a person on this planet that makes a film by themselves. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, unless you're acting, shooting, doing every damn thing, and there ain't nobody else touching you, then it's not a film by you. It's a film by the group of people that make the film. So, I mean, everything's a compromise. Uh, last night, there's a shot in Takahei where the, the creature's over top of the guy and just beating the hell out of him, and we did a drone shot went up and up and up and up and up. And what I originally wanted was sound design, was I wanted those hits to sound like, as it, as it got, it started out realistic, and as it went higher and higher, turned into like these cannons going off, boom, 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 which then rolled over into a drum beat that ran and took us into the next scene. I didn't get that. <laughs> you know? And we tried it. The sound guys tried it and worked on it and worked on it and worked on it and it never quite gelled yeah. where it should have. And we went, fuck it, that's not going to work. It's a yep. doubt. Yeah. 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 Sometimes yeah. when you put some sounds to pictures like, or even music and you're expecting one thing before you actually put it on there and all of a sudden you put it, marry it together, it, it can be a totally different experience. You know? Exactly. But I do not do a film by. <laughs> I have a similar agreement with that, so I'm, I'm very glad you said that. And it already been said, but the compromise, too, sometimes if you write one thing and you simply can't find a location for that, then you have to change it either in the script or or whatever to, yeah. to make it work. But most of the time it comes out even better. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but don't don't start telling yourself no in the writing process. You know, the, what's beautiful about writing is changes are free. Yeah. <laughs> you can change anything in the script whenever you want. And like uh, so you know, there were certainly things, yeah, with Rod even that we were really like, Okay, this is we're you know, outside of our comfort zone, yes, but this is like we're never gonna be able to do that. Just speaking realistically, like, you know, there's one scene in particular I know our producer and like I think four other people on the crew at some point pulled me aside we're like Seriously? <laughs> be like, can this be a process shot or like can we green screen somehow? I was like, no, until until we are told no, the answer can be yes, you know, so let's pursue it as though this is something we can accomplish. And we did. Sure enough. And and a big part of it was due to um as George said earlier about shooting on location. People always leave it better than you found it. Every single tiny relationship, every single person you deal with in the course of making your film might be the person who will make or break your scene the next day, you know, because maybe they happen to know somebody who has a location that you downright need because you lost your other one, like last minute or whatever. And if you were, if you did right by them, you know, even in the minor capacity with which you interacted with them, they remember that. And you know, and that's how this this scene that I'm referring to uh, was some one of the last things we shot, and it was a result of like our entire effort to make this film. We had built so many good connections with people that when we started going to, like, we needed permission from the police to shoot this. We had to um, get on a, a overpass for a highway that was owned by a big convention center. 
And, you know, there were like four or five authorities we had to deal with in order to film the scene. And the Chicago Film Office, we had developed such a great rapport with, they personally called all these people for us and was like, hey, we like what these guys are doing. We like what they're doing for the city. Like, you should work with them to make this happen on their budget. And sure enough, we were able to do it. I haven't found, yeah, I know, there's a quick thing on this. I have not found that anything that you, at the time you might go, oh, like an actor quitting after you shot three days. You always, I've always found a better actor to come in. So I always look at, you know, okay, that door's closed, let's find a better thing. And that happened for a reason. Yeah, so go. I, I've never actually done anything, but I like to write just scripts for fun of it. But I've never, when I'm through with the story and I know, okay, this is the ending point, it's page wise, it's never very long. So my question is uh, is there a, I guess, a ratio from page length to the time of the film, or does it? Really the, the rule of thumb is yeah. a, a page equals one minute of screen time. Yeah. It's it varies, you know. Like down with a lot of dialogue. Yeah, yeah, if it's really heavy action, you know, that might go back and that page might go by in ten seconds. You know, it's just like bam, 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 bam. Or if it's like you know a, a page of dialogue that's really emotional and there's a lot of like you know, pregnant pauses in the air throughout it, that can take three minutes, you know, or whatever. But it has a weird way of somehow kind of averaging out in the end that you are, end up around there. So. By no means a hard and fast rule, but that's kind of the industry yeah, mantra, I guess. Oh, it's kind of a cheesy question, but what are the like, normal like, do's and don'ts of horror? Because I know there can be some really cheesy things that I've seen. It's like, why? Why would you do this? Or, that's amazing. How did you do this? You know, it's... Like, big mistakes like, people face. It's all context is really what like there's you know there's so so many things that even that some of my friends that uh, another gig that I was working on for I was working for an electronic musician doing all this video content for the past like year and a half and there's a lot of stuff in that that world you know a lot of like what we call like flash and trash video where they just throw like a ton of effects on things yeah. and like throw it over. we would we would call that stuff illegal uh, was our term for it is like that's illegal you can't do that shit um, and then sure enough. You know, we stumble across some video on YouTube, some guy doing exactly that, but he frames it the right way. You know, he puts it inside of this package where all of a sudden that style has meaning. And there's a reason why it's so it. it's this beautiful piece. And it's like, well shit, no, it's not illegal. It's just we've never seen it in the right context. So And I think I think a lot of it is just experience and trying things and doing things. Um, uh, the guy I am, I am glad to see, though, that uh, jump scares seem to be getting a lot of pushback. Uh, I, yeah, those need to go away, like, a decade ago. Wait a minute, I had jump scares all through the last 30 minutes, so... Yeah, I think it has a couple. You were... It was working on it, so at that point, it wasn't like the whole film was like... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and you know, the big guy jump scares, it's like you turn around, it's her husband with a bowl of soup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it depends on how it's used personally, you know. I, I remember a while back I watched two different horror movies back to back and one of them just heavily relied on jump scares and it got tiresome. The other one sprinkled them out, didn't rely on them, but when, when they hit, you know, they were effective, but then you also got the psychological stuff. So I think, it, you know, it all depends on how you use it. Right. It's all up to the sound guy on that one, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's all just a horn at you. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, even in George's movie last night, I mean, that's one that kind of floored me because you got like an hour and 15 minutes or so in there before you got your first kill. I mean, it told yeah. a story. So yeah. and, and we got reviewed where they hated it because of that. Yeah. They wanted bodies flying again. And, you know, no characterization. They did not like characterization, and they kind of said that in the review. Yeah, well, there's too much time taking care of getting to know these people and stuff. Because they're used to the same thing. Yeah. 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 Well, that's I'm a issue like, the movie on some hands, too. It's like, you know, yeah. your preconceptions brought you to believe, like, oh, someone should die in yeah. 10 minutes because this is a bad movie. And it's like, well, that's based on nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and age, unfortunately, has a little bit to do with it. I mean, you know, when I was younger, I'd be like, oh, let's do this and let's, you know, make this and vicious and stuff. And as I'm getting older, uh, it's changing. It's not something that I'm doing consciously. I'm working on a script now that has demons and all this other stuff in it. And I was like, I, there's something missing. There's something that needs an edge. I want an edge to it. So I talked to my 19-year-old. And he's like, yes, so you're going to have the, this 12-year-old. And when you, the father goes into the room, he sees this writing in red on the walls. And then as he looks closer, the kid's sitting in the corner and he's writing, the, the, he's got his hands all covered in red, he's writing these symbols. And as he gets closer, the kid has ripped his intestines open and he's painting the walls in his own blood and stuff. Then, the seven-year-old sister gets talked to by one of the spirits and then proceeds to climb into the raging fireplace. I would never have done that now. <laughs> but I talked to my son and he's like, <laughs> and that's that that's that evil dead that young yeah, right, you know? yes. and I'm like yes I'm yeah. going to do that I'm going to push them down that scene yeah, yeah. first movie and it was, it was hard to make like y'all said there were things that y'all didn't think y'all were going to do so you, you try really really hard on it and say it's successful so the next time you get money so you don't have to try as hard on things some things are made easier 
Do you think that's bad? Like that it, it's definitely visible on the screen that you had to try harder? create a higher bar. Yeah. I mean, like more money with our concepts, you know, would just be a little bit more mad science. Be that much more crazy? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, some people like Tarantino, I feel, gets better, but like Kevin Smith didn't. Yeah, it has different, you know, it, it brings different problems and different solutions and different things. Money doesn't, I mean, money's great, don't get me wrong. I want someone to give me $100,000. <laughs> if anybody wants the executive produce, see me after the play. But, uh, you know, but it just, it's different. It's just a different process and it's a different hurdles that you have to overcome. It doesn't make anything, it's, movie making is hard and it's never easy. And that's, and that's okay. Because if everyone did it, well, then you yeah. And if you fail, just keep on. Absolutely. Actually, one of my, my absolute favorite quotes of all time is the Orson Welles quote that the, the absence of limitations is the enemy of art. That if nothing is standing in your way, you're like if you have all the money in the world, like those are the worst movies made because that's yeah. all. Every problem they run, throw money at it, throw money at it, fix it, post CGI, whatever. Yeah. When you hit those walls, sometimes it's like you know you get smart. You know, some people shut down, those are the people who aren't going to make it. The rest of us, you know, they get smart and creative and find ways to make it. As George said, you know, let's take this obstacle and use it as an opportunity to make this movie even better. Yeah, I don't know how to accomplish this, but in the time that it takes me to figure this out, it's going to be fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we're over. So, appreciate your comments, Thank you all for coming out. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.